This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Phil Holmes and Basem Nognog. If you want to help us keep making the shows like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as a little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Games Club podcast. This is Season 10, Episode 13, covering Day 63 of Wolfstride. That's it. We're free now, Genie. I am your host, Chris Taylor. My pronouns are he, him, and with me is... Simple Arnett, any and all pronouns. Ryan Beatty, my pronouns are they, them. We're going to start today with the end of day from uh, day 62 because we saved in the middle of the day. And really all that is, is the Engelbrecht promo, which is extremely long. So we get a parade of little children all alike with one bandaged up woman in the middle. And we're seeing her grow. Piloting is life. Anything before or after it, that's just waiting. She was racing cars the second she learned how to walk. My sister and I were raised among machines. I still remember the smell of grease and oil every morning. Nana's the one who raised us. We lost our parents in a plane accident. That's all there is to it. Shortly after, Grandpa was diagnosed with lung cancer and had about a month or so. It was just the three of us back then. Me, Wilhelmine, and Nana. Gotta say, though, it was Wilhelmine's passion for speed that kept us from going under. Before we knew it, we were taking part in cart races, then drag races, underground races, anything really. We spent whole weekends assembling sleeper cars, optimizing engines and frames for a 1.79% performance increase. I'm sorry, ins- can you imagine RuPaul announcing that you win an Entourage model? <laughs> I absolutely can, because I've been seeing RuPaul Bloodborne jokes all week. Oh my Have God. you? Yeah. It was insane. But we did it for her, RuPaul. It was December 2007, a rainy day, when she got into that accident. Tires got no traction on the wet road, they lost control and hit the wall at 200 miles per hour. Her injuries were bad. 65 fractures, 9 exposed. She broke both arms, one leg, whole ribcage. Spent three years in a coma with little to no chance of recovery. We had this poster in her hospital room, a red mecca holding a flag something that a previous patient had left behind. I guess it never went through anyone's head to rip it off, so when she miraculously woke up, it was the first thing she saw. She couldn't avert her eyes from that sight. In 2011, when mech battles really became a thing, the drive for piloting is what kept her going through physiotherapy sessions. It was hard. She'd take two steps a day, her whole body dripping with, I'm gonna presume this is supposed to be sweat, tears running down her cheeks. It says her body is dripping with suede. Fuck yeah, let's go. Suede drip. I love to dress nice when you go to the physical therapy. (laughs) I have seen people do that. I've seen people put on a suit trying to make themselves work harder. Oof. Yeah. Ah, sometimes she let out a painful shriek. It really broke our hearts to see her like that. We hung that poster on her bedroom wall. We even took it to her physio sessions. 
It gave her strength. One thing you gotta know about my sister is she never gives up. She doesn't let anything stand in the way of her dream. When she's piloting, she's free. By the end of 2013, she was already back into shape. Hell, she was even better. We had already spent all our cash just to bring her back, so even though she wanted it, we just couldn't give her a mech. I mean, this stuff is freaking expensive. How the hell do you buy a giant robot and just store it in your backyard? Boy, I would love to see the promo video for our team. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Megasex Solar. But she didn't give up. I was afraid she'd race again, but honestly, she wasn't concerned about that. Nana was convinced to help her follow her heart no matter what, so we resumed work on the sleeper cars. I hate that they're called sleeper cars, by the way. I don't know what else you would call, like, a surprisingly powerful for what it, it for something that appears to be stock, but also that's just a car on a train with a bed in it. Mm -hmm. You don't know that she's not doing it lying down for better aerodynamics? In about one year, <laughs> Wilhelmine had what? what? I, I do know that because she survived going through the windshield. It, so we were not in the diver position for maximum aerodynamics. <laughs> well, <laughs> whose fault is that, Wilhelmine? Insert pee-poo voice saying nerds again and again. Ugh. In about <laughs> one year, Wilhelmine had one trophy for almost every regional competition in the country. She left a blazing trail of victories wherever she raced. In two years, we had enough to buy the same red mech from that poster. Stuff of dreams, really. In 2015, we had our first custom. It was still an entourage model. Nana was still around by that time, so she was able to see her granddaughter eating up those ranks like breakfast. A shame she couldn't see it when she finally got number one. I like to think she went with a soft heart, knowing that she did everything she could for us. That's why we named our brand after Nana. We've been designing our own mechs for a while, always blazing red. We've seen our share of mech pilots, most of them talking big and all. But for us, it was never about the money or glamour, the fans, or anything else. For her, it's all about breathing. That's why she's number one. That's why she's still here. Because mech piloting is her life. Nothing gives her as much joy. She still savors every punch, every move. Because this is who she is. And they don't call her queen for nothing. Uh, this is long, but it's cool and good and retroactively makes me, I just... I want a little more flavor from all of the other people that we fought retroactively, because even though it's like just an intro and it's long, like, I just, I like knowing more about the people I'm fighting. I like that part of tournament fight animes. And, uh, yeah, it's good. I think the problem is that the characters they came up with explicitly are people who you would not be able to interact with. Like, Wilhelmine is busy yeah. running the biggest mech corporation in the world, like Engelbrecht, a company whose parts you buy. Right, right, sure. But, like, they can give us intros of this level of care for some of the other people, and they just don't. Mm -hmm. Hell, some of the people yeah. we've seen in this last final Fortnite haven't had this much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, unfair. Like, this tournament is also very good to me because this fight, you're going to be. The last fight was, you're, let's be real, Cowboy is just Magus XLR in terms of what kind of robot it is. And but then not you as get charming. to fight in. Yeah. Then you get to fight in Ava, and now you get to fight a virtual on. 
<laughs> yeah. We haven't even fought the Ava yet. There's there's a more well, okay, I guess it's more angel like coming up. Well, that's what we're that's what I'm talking about. The one we're about to do. That's the that's the virtual on. Yeah. Well, I just remembered, yeah, there was the Ava last week, and now this time we have the Angel. This could be a zone of the Enders if you don't know what virtual on is. Yeah, <laughs> fair. So we get to the final check-in because uh this is the final fight, according to what the story wants us to believe right now. Jack wishes all of us good luck and asks us to remind Knife that he promised Jack a rematch. Z says that she told us that she would make Cowboy a champion. She might have been hoping for a regional champion, but she will settle for worldwide. Peepoo <laughs> says Knife is now a master and the queen is in for a surprise. Love the Peepoo as cheerleader arc. Knife never really thought this moment would come and is still in shock. He's going to do his best and bring home that trophy, dude. Duke isn't even upset. He says this is it. It all comes down to this moment. His mother's life is on the line. His own life is on the line. But he trusts us. Well, and really. Nebraska and Nebraska has no dialogue and you can only you only get the pineapple prompt, which sucks. It sucks so bad, especially considering the ending. Why can't Nebraska say anything? Like, Nebraska yeah. has feelings right now, knowing that she will be leaving after this. Where are mm -hmm. they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big bummer. Yeah. And then we go into the fight with Engelbrecht, and we have, like, a, like at the beginning of the game, a big check-in with everyone. Um, I'm pretty sure Knife is actually illiterate because he's still reading White Fang 63 days later somehow. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Duke is supportive of Knife and is sad that this is their last outing. Knife responds saying, it doesn't have to be. Winning this is going to open a whole new world to them. And uh, Shade just says, give them hell. And Knife says, I will. And this screenshot of all three of them right here, the vibe of the entire game. God, yeah. Incredible. I love, I love Duke looking like both tired and determined with flames behind him. It's, it's Did you such ever a good pause in a battle before and see like Duke is insanely jacked? Actually, <laughs> no, I didn't. I've not done that. That rules. I posted a screenshot of it at one point, like a, a month ago. It's very good. Uh, and then we get into the fight, and the uh, queen's mech is like just like bright red. Basically, the is the only color in the entire game, it's, and like uh, not super amazing. It's cool that they did it, and it's not the first time it's been done, and I think that's fine, because Wolfstride is about liking media. So it's fine that you like the media that did this. The problem with this, I think it's very cool. I was very yeah. hyped to see a splash of color, absolutely. The problem with this uh, that this game is about liking media is the, the major reference point that I have for a black and white piece of media that has a single splash <laughs> of red is fucking... It's Schindler's List. So yeah. that just, uh-huh. Look, That's also, all. this is the wrong place to deploy this. The place to deploy this is in the ending when Oyubun says, look what you did to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then we cut right from this to the fight. There's uh, Queen starts by telling us, what she knows about Cowboy. She has more technical knowledge about it than we players do and suggests that adding a third engine could uh, yield like a 12% performance boost. 
She then flexes, saying her mech uses seven engines. Uh, as a result of this, she cheats, and no matter your stats, always gets the first move. I actually cheated back and gave myself impossible stats and still could not get that turn. I think that's fine. This is the last boss. Oh yeah, I just thought I'd throw that off. Yeah. A round in, she compliments Knife's punching stance and how he uses the mech's full body in it. She says she can't really do that since her mech flies and has no ground grip, despite having a move named Perfect Punch. Knife says her mech is cool and she's like, it is cool! Also, I designed it myself. And then when you get her down to the end, you get a new move called the the RBP, the Rocket Blast Punch. And as the cool like Killer Queen project looks like a folder, and then you do it and you instantly win the game. What do we have about th thoughts on the final fight? Personally, I like this fight a lot. I like that the enemy has a large variety of moves and is generically powerful. So as long as your build is not trying to be generic, you win through whatever at whatever you have like emphasized the most. Mm hmm. It was good for me. Really, just at the very end of this game, leaning hard into builds that help the masochist stance and this was rewarded once again because i can leap across because the the battlefield is only uh seven spaces which is it, yeah. it's standard but it's not enormous and so you can like leap across the field towards her she pushes you back you get a bunch of uh nano gauge or sorry morale uh meter repeat ad nauseum but it was it was super fun uh but i do want to counters that too right with a lot of with a lot of moves that push you back multiple spaces at once so you only get one uptick like it's not yeah. like so overwhelming like it could be true true and then you know then the next fight that is unwinnable i was like oh my god he's playing right into my build he's playing right into my oh no but anyway uh i do want to point out that at one point she uh talks about like how this fight is going to be good for our brand which is both uh on message for this character and also gross and then also when she's like uh this looks like the end of the line for me you're doing really well fucking pineapples comforts her she, he's like oh it's okay dude you're doing a really good job which is very funny because she's been the champion for so long there's Love also knife. like a lot of interaction with your party that's unusual. This is like what I would want all of the fights to be like. Like when you yeah. get all the arms down, all the parts down, but the chest are like, oh, he's doing it. And there's like, it's not over yet. And then when you're down to like, yeah, you're you have like three sprites for each part for how damaged they are. When you get down into that third sprite, they're like, oh, shit, you're done for guy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's cool. Uh, it's I also like that there's nothing in the arena. Like there's no gimmick. It's just what's your how does your strategy line up with their strategy yeah like i actually yeah. had i actually backed out of the fight slightly redid my build to get one extra move point that way i could fully utilize all of the ap from moneymaker and that was like gave me a lot of lock-ins when i would have never had them before mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts about the fight sybil did you let enjoy the fight no i, I stomped her yeah, uh, I, I was actually really irritated that I overcritted her and it still left her with one HP and made me do the rocket punch. Well, it does that no matter what you do. You can't leave the boss with one HP. I know. It's just the fact that of all the fights to deploy that on, why this one? Because it's it's the last one. It it, it it's well, the last I one that, of, that I kind of agree. 
I wish this fight was like a Yu Yevin that you kind of did with the power of teamwork by being able to do the rocket blast punch regularly for like, I don't know. What if it was a hundred armor piercing damage? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or it would make more sense in a thing in a second. Yeah, Mad. But to do that, Mad Margot would have to be a real fight. You know right. what I mean? So like, yeah. I kind of get that like the rocket punch is a little wasted here, and I felt that also. Yeah, I just I just feel like knowing that there is more after it, you save the Chekhov's gun for one second later. But it's not. But that. But it's called the Killer Queen Project. That's the problem that inserting this reference in created. I think. Mm -hmm. I had forgot it was named that. I just remembered. Oh, this was just a Chekhov's gun since day fifty-two. Yeah. So we snap out of this, and before anything else can happen. Another cutscene begins playing, and it's kind of implied this is being broadcast out over all monitors and things. Yeah, they're basically hijacking the feed from the final Fortnite, which everyone in the world is watching. And we have a Russian man, or a Russian-accented actor, over black-and-white footage of chain fences and military operations. Oil wars. The world's blood is being drained by the United States of North America. By the way, we'll this answers later. what the USSA is. It's the United States of South America. Now we have that. So in. now if you bring this back, uh, looking back through the notes, this game takes place in the United States of South America, not North America, which means that Trinket, Trinket and Killer are from the United States of North America. So we have the CIA just doing ops in South America yep. to try to yeah. influence how it's going. That recolors a lot of things that happen in this game. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, it, this, this, uh, talking about this, I was like, oh, oh my God. It was, it was, it was wild because yeah, knowing that Trinket and Killer are doing Operation Condor and that they're, and that it just, it, it rules. I, it, I guess rules is maybe the wrong word or maybe not the most descriptive. It, it, it absolutely like justifies a lot of my questions over the course of this game. And honestly, like that's the thing that this ending does is it like answers a whole bunch of little like lingering questions that I had that I thought might get dropped. And it's like, Oh, Oh, it's good. It's like I was telling Sybil too. There's a lot of blank spaces. You didn't know where blank spaces and the information that goes there rearranges a bunch of previously unsatisfactory things to like be satisfactory, mm -hmm. which I don't mm -hmm. think is a good way to structure your game. Don't make it good at the end all of a sudden, but I do think it worked <laughs> yeah. out a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Millions have died while billions still starve. In order to profit, the USNA has hidden the truth, keeping giant oil companies afloat. It is estimated we still have 120 years of petroleum supply available for extraction. With the discovery of a new formula able to deliver far more efficient fuel generation, the USNA has done everything to stall the status quo. The discovery of a new element called blazinium has been denied refused and discredited by every North American scientific academy. I do love this part just because it's very funny that we got to this as all the superconductor business is going on right now. Oh, buddy. Yeah, just something I was thinking about when I got to this for the first time. 
An explosion in the oil complex known as Heart of the Ocean has caused over 7% of Earth's water body to go to waste. My child was here when when he said this, and she's like, that'll never happen. I was like, I got bad news for you, bucko. (laughs) I got an episode of Swindled if you really want to just depress the shit out of your child. Shit that has happened five times, like what, four times in our life? The Gulf of Mexico one? Oh my god. Two of them. Two of them that I've seen. The USNA still bleeds all of Eastern Asia for any droplets of oil they can get their hands on. Black oil. Black blood. For so long I've watched my brothers and sisters die so the USNA could keep its supremacy. Their power display has put the world in check since World War II. My name is Igor Komarov, and I'm taking over this planet. And this is where I'm going to rant because... I went back through all our very thorough notes. Thank you, Chris. This motherfucker has not been named since day seven. Blazonium yeah. hasn't been mentioned since day 35. Yeah. Fuck off just yanking this well, out of nowhere. So I understand that this does come out of nowhere in terms of like how long it's been relative to the game. But the thing to rem- if you go back through our notes, a thing that you cannot realize until now, early when we find out that USNA stands for United States of North America and the game is not set there, all of the news we have been watching is coming from North America. So they're like, here's their they have this narrative reason to not ever bring up Blazenium again. OK, but in narrative, because function- we are. I know. I do. I agree to you that it sucks in terms of for all these background threads that they mentioned once and don't bring up. They don't come up often enough. And they have, they have like a narrative reason for it, but I don't think that's good for the, the viewer. I agree with you. I, I disagree, actually, because okay. something that really solidified in this final episode is how perspective and point of view shapes the story of this game. And this game makes it, the the end of this game makes it incredibly clear that this is shade story above all else. And so I agree that maybe it's just because I'm malazan poisoned. And so I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's totally fine for an author to like put the seeds of something kind of tossed off and then 4,000 pages later, pay it off in a really big way. You mean three three and nine tenths of a book later, I'm supposed to remember what the fork roll of sale are? Eat my asshole, Steven. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like it, because because this game is focused on a selfish person who does not really care about the state of the world except for how it affects him, it works for me narratively. Yeah, his news, let's be clear, is North American. The news he is receiving, which is the news you receive, is North American propaganda. The people explicitly trying to cover this shit up. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I... 
I get the frustration, and also I might have been a lot more baffled had Chris not been signaling like, hey, remember this. Mark this for later. This will come back uh, when day 7 and day 35 popped up. I might have been a little bit more like, hey, what the hell? But in, in, in terms of narrative, because the perspective is focused on shade most of all, it uh, it didn't bother me. I, I, I ended up liking it for that. This this is a thing that will come up again later this episode about a problem that you have, Ryan, which is that I think some of our issues with this game, like this one, and for Ryan and you, it's the epilogue, would not exist if we were not playing this game over three months for a podcast and we had played this game in a week. Yeah, I That's did right? 30 days of this in a night. I, I still have these problems. Mm hmm. My my main my main beef with Igor Kamarov is that he's another me- he's like talking about the oppressed, but he is still a megalomaniacal dictator. You know, like my name is Igor Kamarov, and I'm taking over this planet. Is a little bit like, and also later on when he's talking about how bullshit uh, using Warmex is, and it's like, by my guy, you created a mega Warmex. Anyway, so that here's what else. Another thing I realized while editing these notes 10 minutes ago, not to counteract what you're saying, but to complicate this, is in the epilogue, they mentioned the IPP, which I assume in the Chinese government, and I can only assume that now stands for the International People's Party, combined with the mm. use of the phrase... Eastern Asia, I can literally only assume that half of Europe at this point is a communist block. And, sure. And that that's what they're talking about, is that this entire block now has military aspirations to push back on USNA. Yeah. And, and like, the fact that this game is from the perspective of folks who live in the global south. I know that, you know, Brazil is... Brazil specifically has a very interesting relationship with uh, extractive industries, oil in particular, and uh, how the USA is very interested in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, some of my earlier... questions and uh worries i guess definitely come from my perspective as a person who lives in the u.s applying the u.s lens to this and so yeah the the reveal of like oh shit i've been looking at this game all wrong was surprising and great also you know that the ipp is in the international people's party it's the international peace police right you have it in these notes well no later all right, I'm just saying, I'm looking uh, right at it. I, no, I know I'm looking at it, too. I guess the context later makes it seem like a, a different organization. Maybe my notes got bad at the end because I edited it wrong. All right. Anyhow, we're in the middle of a big cutscene. This thing tastes like seven minutes. It sucks. Yeah, it's long. <laughs> I think it's cool. I'm glad this takes seven minutes because this rocks. The problem I is... I already expressed my disdain for this cutscene unskippable function at last time, and this one does not have the interesting visuals. This is just stock footage, some of which yeah. I think might have been taken from Terminator 2. 
Um, so it it does give it uh some some Metal Gear Solid vibes where we're like where we have uh, an evil guy monologuing over what looks like archival military footage, which then there's a second Metal Gear Solid reference very soon after this, and it made me laugh yeah. because of the first one. Uh, it would have annoyed me if it hadn't been there. But yeah, no, I agree. The fact that uh, Kam- like the fact that the the Komarov mech, uh, sorry, Komarov only has three poses and it just cycles between those three megalomaniacal poses. I laughed, but also rolled my eyes in exhaustion. What you have all seen so far is a festival of pure entertainment and worthless combat. Oil-fueled giant robots beating oil-fueled giant robots. The very oil stolen and ripped from my brother's lands. The very oil that stains our oceans black. The very oil that fuels our nations and flows through the veins of our homelands. This very same black oil that sustains 70% of the world's most prosperous countries. Our precious oil is being dumped to feed war machines for entertainment, while the USNA barges into our homelands, ever insatiable. More and more oil to feed the supremacy machine, and in the shadows they hide and steal our achievements. They keep the truth away so they can still keep going on, extending their economic superiority, breathing life into the American dream. I say, no more. I am here tonight to prove to all of you that Blazenium is real. The Soviets will no longer abide by USNA laws and agreements. We are no longer your lapdog alliance. This goes to send a message to the world. You amuse us with your war machines in a popular blood sport, burying a past of bloodshed and genocide they were created for. I will point out, this is why I said that Vietnam joke a couple episodes ago is so much darker once you get that. Oof. (laughs) Yep. You turn war and oil into entertainment, and we in return feed you with curious eyes and astonished gazes. We are the ones who sustain your circus. Here stands your champion. The champion of the world, overall war machines. From the ten best pilots and the ten best machines, you've chosen your champion. Now, let me present you mine. If you are interested in the kind of extraction dia- extraction capitalism and how the global north exploits the global south, may I recommend the book, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa? Yeah, good recommendation. So... Like, <laughs> I understand that this is not the function that this serves in the story, but the whole time I was like, my guy, you also just created a war machine, uh, not for entertainment necessarily, but for spectacle, absolutely. So this is just greenwashing. It's like, I created a new, more efficient war machine. However, however... Uh, and the limitations of that are so small, right? Yeah. It's like, it's not that... We need we we're running out of oil, so we have to transition. What if we made our oil last a lot longer so things could continue exactly as they are? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um and then my 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 question here is uh what what does it mean to create a uh, a mech video game that uh, is criticizing mech entertainment? I I don't 
I don't think that they were trying to be that high-minded, but I did think of that one quote about how there's no such thing as an anti-war movie, which I don't fully agree with, but, um, you yeah, know, the whole idea see. that... Yeah, <laughs> Well, I think... I don't think they're trying to criticize... I guess they are a little bit. They're po- I think the criticism being levied is a same criticism that's like implicitly levied at the beginning of G Gundam, which yeah. is that the world and the impacts of these mecha is really often completely fucking ignored in exchange for robots fighting each other. Totally, totally. Yeah, and so that that's why I'm saying I don't think that Isn't this like- was... Yeah, it's not, yeah, you're right. You're right. It is, in fact, a criticism of mech media, and it's saying that this space is underexplored. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I don't think that this is like completely hypocritical of them or anything. Uh, but it was just, it was just something that made me go, hmm. Anyway, that's why this war of mine too is going to be really good. It'll be in back of Vietnam. <laughs> oh fuck. So. We then uh, have to fight Kamarov's KSVK. Kamarov says that the KSVK is a war machine made from materials across the world, and its sole energy source, Blazinium, is capable of sending 20 spaceships back and forth to the moon with less than 20 gallons. If it makes you feel better, the script said 10 spaceships, which is why they didn't just say what a spaceship back and forth to the moon on a gallon. Okay. Um, Such is the power that the USNA is keeping from you. The units are capable of generating magnetic anti-impact shields that can withstand an ICBM without a scratch. In case of nuclear threat, the KSVKs are equipped with a secondary atomic with secondary atomic cores that can be infused with blazenium for maximum output. That's right, controlled nuclear explosions that can be activated anywhere, anytime. Um, so the, a fight happens and you're not aware that it is an unwinnable, um, final fight. And so you go through a few turns and you don't get the opportunity to heal up in between, uh, the queen and this one. And so I was like, oh shit, I'm kind of nervous. And then I was able to like, use uh the right arm plus armor repair and taunt a whole bunch of times with call of duel and then it like it moves inexorably forward and so it i could i was really able to abuse the masochist uh stance a lot because it just it moves you one space at a time over and over again and i was like oh my god i'm gonna kick this fight's ass and then uh the ksvk just absolutely obliterates cowboy uh, a few turns in yeah, big Lufia energy here. Lufia, very guilty of this kind of thing. Except yes. in Lufia, it happens at the begin, like the the third point, third third of the way get through the game mark, where you have a ton of like precious resources you can burn on this unwinnable fight. Mm-hmm. And also, Lufia did allow you to win those fights for amazing reward. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is the the Game Boy game where there's like seven okay, of gotcha, these. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm. That mm-hmm. is the one I am least familiar with offhand. It's also the one where you fight Slifer the Sky Dragon at the end, basically. Hmm. Slifer. Don't worry about it. All right. Oh, incidentally, Slifer has never been sly in his life. Incidentally, just because we have not described all of this, this is full ripoff territory. 
Komarov is dressed as friend from 20th Century Boys, down to the mask, down to the eyeball, and this mech is Sahakwil from Ava. Like, it's one-to-one. Yeah, and again, it, it like, because I I was reading some interviews with Ota Iman, uh, or Ota Imon, I, I'm not entirely sure how, how to pronounce it, but uh, he, <laughs> this is also funny, I found out through the credits that uh, Ota Imon is the name of the studio and also the name of the head writer and director. He just, like, named the studio after himself and then is also like, but we are a collective, we we definitely are a collective, but I also wanted to put my name on it because uh, I wanted to make sure that I was the one who was most responsible. It's goofy, but all of the interviews he talks about, like all of the mecha stuff that he loves, and so um, yeah, this is this is all of the one to ones have been colored for me by just like how much this guy nerds out about mecha at every opportunity that is made available to him. Have you not that that video I sent you? It never been more clear that these are just a game by people who love media. Looking at the back uh-huh. of that, that person's wall behind them. Yeah, yeah. Also, I looked up two pictures. These things are more identical than I thought they were. <laughs> they are, yeah, no, they are absolute. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, the scene shifts to trinket and killer trinket is looking extremely angry and unhinged and like his one weird glowing eye is just like looks tiny in this enormous socket and his she's showing his fangs and he's snarling and he's holding a semi-automatic rifle and there are just like a ton of soldier cops behind him and he goes and he points at the camera screen and he says fucking piece of shit soviets we're on to it from the start so that's what you got in store then trinket and killer are still here and un troops flood the arena trinket is not going to allow the ksvk to leave the premises and uh all this fighting is happening uh you know uh, under with the background of 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 cowboy being an absolute husk at this point uh and he orders the international peace police to take the unit into custody we get a black screen and over that shade panics he finds nebraska and tells her they got to get out of there she is worried about knife and he says he'll take care of that and then we hear a gunshot sound, and Foam Gun says, Time's up, trash. Neb realizes Shade has been shot repeatedly and does the snake yelling meme, but for Shade, which is fine, I guess. Like, the voice acting it, is not just copying the meme. It does sound very distressed. And, it, yeah, no, the fact that they use it for a moment of genuine pathos instead of just a joke is the thing that that makes it work for me. I was like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, she's 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 terrified. And then we get some narration from Shade over an image of him being shot through the heart. And over this scene, the screen is slowly fading to white. And we're gonna There's going to be a point where we're doing a bunch of game dialogue verbatim here, because a lot of it is like very good and personal and would be done a disservice by aligning it. Um, so he says a turning point, a second chance to make things right, though I've never deserved that chance. Wherever I go, whatever I do, it all comes back to that day. I threw my life away that day. I wanted to prove something. I didn't want to be a weakling anymore. There's no excuse for my stupidity. At least I got to see her smile one last time. Coltrane. Oh, ya bun. Duke. Knife. Neb. I failed them all. Always have. The fuck was I even trying to do? I know what I am. This is all just pretend. I'm a piece of shit swirling down the toilet. Always was. Always will be. Even then, I couldn't help but enjoy my time with you guys. I wish I could have done more for you. I wish I could have saved the day. 
I wish I was the hero of my own story, but I guess I'm happy to just watch it all fade away. Uh, this, it, it, now that it's the moment of his actual death, uh, I feel like some of his pity party is earned, uh, by this point. Usually I'm rolling my eyes at Shade, like, just be a better person and stop doing this. But I also want to point out something that we didn't, uh, mention up top is, um, in between the Queen's backstory cutscene and, uh, just before the actual Queen fight, uh, or just after the actual Queen fight, rather, I think, we get a single text box that just says, this is the end of my days. And there's no voiceover. And even if that was just for budget and logistics reasons, like they wanted to insert that in and didn't have the time or the resources to actually voice the line, it's an interesting choice uh, because he then dies immediately after that. And I enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. And also the game just says day 63 and does not tell you how many days are remaining. Uh, mm -hmm. Those two things got missed because uh, these notes were done over four weeks. Yeah. Foam Gun then interrupts Sade's monologue, saying, You're such a drama queen. <laughs> you can hear the sound of buttons clicking, and the white screen shrinks down to become a CRT that Foam Gun is in front of with a game console positioned before it. Foam Gun says, We Our already knew well, they don't know what a CRT is. A tube television. What's a tube? They don't a have those at the tube. anymore. They don't have the. They don't have those at the bank, by the way. That's fucked up. They don't have those at Costco anymore either. I remember when they used to have whole networks of those. They had the, They had vacuum tubes at Costco. Yeah, they had them at every aisle for checks. They'd send them up to a booth up top where they were being managed. Fuck yeah, that rocks. Yeah, no. Old days, Costco was fucking sick because all the reasons those aisles were so uniformly spaced apart and have the big uh, poles on them is because they did have a vacuum tube attached to each. And you could actually see a little Overwatch booth that they were all going to. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, wow, they played Overwatch up there? Yeah, they were the last people. That's why they closed the league. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that when you have the Costco hot dog deal, the arena doesn't make enough money. <laughs> <laughs> if Costco were to put a bullet in Blizzard, I would never cancel my membership again. <laughs> Foam Gun says we already knew about all this. Shade made a deal. We knew from the start it was going to end. And day after day, we watched it all slip away. Nothing can last forever. So, we are running around in this void as Shade. If God, you. just foam guns, like weird smiley crying face with her like arrow face paint is so unhinged. It is so deranged. It's extremely like Shinji, like the, the bubble distortion Shinji. This yeah, is what it looks like yeah, a lot. Yeah, honestly, I think this one is just fucked up art. It's just bad. I think it's good. I like it. It's good I effect. I think even trying to write it off as homage, this piece just sucks. We control Shade in the Void now, and there's not much you can do. If you run up to the console, uh, Foam Gun will tell us, hey, sit down, she's player one. So, the questions are basically, am I dead? Does it matter? This game sucks. Well, you're playing it wrong. Can I hit reset? Sure, but nothing's gonna change. This is how it ends. 
And so Shade asks why he is still here, and Foam Gun says, You signed a contract, and you sold your soul to the, soul to the devil. It's only fair she gets a bit of his time. And guess what? It's time to make his choice. So will you give your most precious hidden desire? Do you know what it is? Um, I love this so much. I, uh, um, huh. There is something about Foam Gun being recast as the literal devil and all of her fourth wall breaking was talking to Shade as the player of the video game of his own life instead of just us, the player. It it retroactively made me appreciate the stuff that made me roll my eyes before. It, yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Love to be just trash to the devil. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, and the then time's we're gonna go do trash. more Final Fantasy VII remake stuff in a minute. Uh huh. Um. So the screen then switches to Shade Sprite running over the Earth from space, and uh, Shade does a really big self pitying monologue that actually gave me some serious feelings. He says, "The end of all pain." As I stare down at this precipice, I see myself diving in, drifting and rolling, swaying to the wind. My body vanishes into dust. I'm breath. I'm but a conscience thrown into space. I'm part of the universe, a whole constellation, a veil of darkness gazing into infinity. Suddenly, I realize I still breathe. I still think. So I zoom into that familiar blue planet. I see them all ants running about, doing their stuff. I'm mesmerized. All I want to do is watch them, going to the supermarket, spending their lonely nights in front of the TV, waiting anxiously for a drop of love. It seems to satisfy me. My hunger stays dormant for a million years. I see them cry. I see them laugh. I see them fail, only to succeed. I see them changing all the time, becoming better or worse, but never staying the same. And suddenly, I envy them. But I also despise them because they can't see the full picture. I want all the good things without having to face the bad ones. I'll give up life a million times because it isn't worth it. Why would I ever go through all this shit, struggling like hell for a few minutes of happiness a day? I'd rather not join this race. I'm an outsider. I'm staring from outer space because I know I can't do what all of them can. I don't want to. Where is it going to end? Where will this life lead me? What's the fucking purpose of living like a fucking human being? So, return me to dust. I'm part of the blackness. A dot in the universe. The absence of consciousness. Make me nothing. Make me in existence. <sighs> um, gotta get real here for a second. Um, as a person who was severely emotionally dysregulated and experienced near daily suicidal ideation for a period of my life. I'm better now listeners. Don't worry about me. Uh, this is very accurate to a lot of the way it can feel sometimes to be like, yeah, no, I just, I, it, it's too much. I would rather be literally nothing than anything else because the anything else hurts too much. Um, yeah, that's the that, real shit. Th yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, um, it, it hit me hard.
the original thing that's here way in the script way worse <laughs> foam gun asks him if that's what he really wants uh shade just can't believe that there's no trick or like final judgment of his soul and she's like i'll fucking care about that or you we made a deal <laughs> i'm gonna offer you a choice but only this one time after a moment of it's silence super... yeah go ahead it's super interesting that the price here is just because foam gun the devil is curious you know it's it, it, we're gonna get into what the details of it are but you know he made a deal with the devil and what she asked in return was all right later i'm gonna kill you and ask you if you want to try again not later on i'm gonna kill you and then you will be damned to eternity it it was like i'll give you the choice and that is very interesting because yeah a devil would just be curious yeah, look, sometimes the devil just wants to fuck up a guy real bad to see what happens. We have an entire book of the Bible about it. <laughs> <laughs> we have an entire piece of classic literature that most people don't realize is part of the Bible about it. <laughs> True. About now? Paradise Lost. Yeah. That book sucks, though. Disagree. I can... Look, my takeaway from Paradise Lost was I wish John Milton would shut the fuck up more often. <laughs> Shay just is silent for a moment, and Foam Gun just is like, yeah, fine, you're fucking dead. You got shot through the heart. I would have preferred to cut off your head, but it is what it is. Anyway, <laughs> here's your choice. White door, black door. And uh, we see two doors appear by Foam Gun and Shade's side. White on the left, black on the right. And the camera zooms in on the white door. Foam Gun says, it's everything Shade ever wanted. No mistakes. It's not death. If Shade goes through that door... It, he'll never even know he went through it. All of his records of ex all the records of his existence will be erased. He won't exist anymore. He won't think or breathe. It's the absence of everything. It won't be a reset state. It'll all be over and he won't have to worry about anything anymore. Shades past, present and future. All stardust. Beautiful trash. The white door fades out and the black door gets focus. Foam Gun says with the black door, he gets to go back to his stupid, fucked-up life with one extra hole. His mother left him as a kid. He was raised by a criminal who despised him. He got beat up in school every day, but he also made a truly great friend. He made a deal with the devil and offered his meaningless life in return. He then became a criminal himself, but had the chance to learn from a virtuous old man. Foam Gun continues saying, Shade screwed it up. He killed a man who unleashed a chain reaction that ended up humiliating, torturing, and killing the virtuous old man, not to mention getting himself and his true friend kicked out of that country. Then he robbed a bank with a bunch of misfits and never really touched his part of the prize. He played house for three years with a woman and her daughter and then bounced, disappeared from their lives. I gotta say right now, the original script here has a really dark thing here instead, which is that he used his bank robbery money to hunt down and stalk Cherry. Oh my god. Oh my god. Because this is which, already very dark. Like, Neb yeah. being the daughter of the guy that Shade murdered in yeah. the like, botched robbery. I mean... Successful, but also botched. And I think that's probably what actually happened is just too bleak for the end of this video game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how else do you find this random person who is in another country that he does that that Cherry doesn't even live in, right? Because like mm -hmm. Cherry and Neb live in the USSA, presumably Brazil, right? 
So, mm-hmm. yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Then his bank robber friend committed suicide for unknown reasons and left you a giant stupid robot. Well, you know how it goes from here. That's your baggage trash, the weight you gotta carry. I can't say what hell will happen if you decide to choose this door. And so the focus fades out, and Foam Gun says, Whatever, Shade's choice, that's the end of the debt. What's it gonna be, and you are given control. If you interact with the white door, Shade says, For years I trained myself for this very moment. I knew all my cells, all my heart and soul would betray me if I were to choose this door. I can only trust my mind and its reasoning. Nothing to gain, nothing to lose. Whatever happens to the world, that's not my business. I'm out of the game for real. Really, what else could be better? And if you choose it, the credits roll over a black screen in total silence. No music, no nothing. I chose this because Shade is basically a celestial dragon, a man who is so disconnected from virtue that it is to the point of parody, and there is no way he would ever choose to go back because he is such a complete piece of shit. I clicked the button, I opened the door, and I was happy to be free for fucking... You know what my favorite part about this is? What? At the There's not even a player thanks at the end. They don't, they're like, <laughs> I don't know, if you don't want to read the text of our game, fuck you. I, I, that's my favorite part of the whole game, is that yeah. little nugget right there. <laughs> So, uh, if we interact with the black door instead, then Shade says, So, back to fuck stakes. Do I want this? Should I really keep going even if I know I messed up so many lives in the process? Every step I take feels like a disaster. Like an elephant walking in a china shop. There's Neb. But then again, wouldn't she be better without me? It's such a hassle to be here doing things, trying so hard not to screw everything up. I don't want to disappear. Uh Uh-huh. There's Neb, but then again, wouldn't she be better without me? It's such a hassle to be here doing things. Trying so hard not to screw everything up. Uh, I don't want to disappear. Not really. But if it keeps me from suffering, would it be such a bad thing? If I choose this, I must do it for myself and no one else. No looking back. No regrets. Then again, why the hell? We choose the black door. And Foam Gun tells Shade not to regret his crappy choice. Shade says, he won't. Foam Gun says she really thought he wouldn't take the chance and asks why he chose that door. What's in it for him? She tells him no one would miss him and there's a great chance he's going to suffer like a dog. Uh, rude to Duke, but okay. She continues Duke has to saying, hang out with Shade. That's fair. Yeah, no, that is fair. That is suffering. 
She continues, saying he'll have to face all his demons, many just lurking, waiting for the moment to jump him. So why go through the trouble? Why keep on living a life that he already messed up? And then we get Shade grinning in his sunglasses, uh, fully bandaged up, smoking a cigarette. The cigarette smoke is curling around and framing his face, face as he looks back at Foam Gun and also the camera and says, Black is my favorite color. This is my favorite joke in the whole fucking game. God, it rules. It, is it so rules good so to hard. Me. Yes. <laughs> yes. It rocks. <laughs> and like, it's because Shade can never, ever, ever admit to himself because he doesn't even know it about himself. Because Shade is so self unaware that he doesn't want to be this person and he has to come back to change. Yep. 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 Ugh. A hundred percent. In my and, notes, oh, I just, I just wrote shade. Ha 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 ha. You fucker. It's so good. The and the anime like glint on both the smile and the end of the sunglasses over the top. Love it. Yeah, it's great. And speaking of great imagery, we immediately cut to like another drawn portrait of Oyuban in a sick as fuck white suit. Just mm. sitting, leaning back in a reclining chair, and like a, a a ray of light goes down the drawing, down the middle, and opens up, and we hear the sound of the door opening, and the camera zooms in on his face, and he says, "I knew you'd make the right choice." Oh uh, God, yeah. It, <laughs> Imagine missing well. everything after this. Okay, uh -huh. everything after this. Imagine being civil and just missing the actual text of the game. Yep, I think it's fair to perceive it as a failing. That the text of the game is at the end, actually. Yeah. I think that's yeah, a yeah, fair yeah. criticism. I like it. Like, I do not mind my story being structured that way. But also, I do agree that it is totally fair to think that sucks. Uh, yeah, I for the most part agree. It, and, and you know, being a Metal Gear fan and an apologetic Tetsuya Nomura fan, I'm also just used to this, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, this is the life we live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like this shit is really good, and it and it is like it it very loudly signposts this is what this game has been about, and I think it earns a lot of goodwill for it. Do you play a lot of visual novels? Um, I play some, yeah. Do you? So I know Sybil plays a bunch. Is it genre expectation that when you're given a choice, it's a real choice? Because like no, me, and this is an RPG. And the choice is not real. There's the right answer. And if you choose the wrong answer, the game's over, like in the beginning of Dragon Quest or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, that it... Um, like, I there know some are... visual novels are heavily about branching, right? Yes, they're heavily about branching, but it's not game over. It's literally like, okay, the game will continue to branch, and then you go back and replay all the other branches. That right, is and that's when, why like, I'm asking. Is, like, is it a reasonable perspective to be and like Sybil's perspective is Sybil's perspective but right how reasonable is it that when the game offers you a choice and then it goes lol fuck you idiot that mm -hmm. was not a real choice like because this is hybridizing two genres that have very different relationships with choice like I get it I think it's a weird it's, I think it's weird because I land so firmly on the other side in the RPG camp of it's fine if your choices don't matter. Just tell me a good yeah. story. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. 
Well, what I mean, what's interesting to it me does is that to offer the agency when you're hybridizing a genre that does offer agency, but then the response is you're an idiot. I mean, sure, but also that's the tone of this game already is like, lol, you're an idiot. And so it doesn't feel false to the game itself. And it is a reasonable character ending for this guy who has been a piece of shit and has hated himself his whole life to just give up. Like, it's not as poignant or complicated, but it also does not feel like a fake-out. Like, the agency is there, and the tone of the game is the tone of the game, but, like, it it, it doesn't—it didn't feel like a— a rug pull to be a false choice. And I also don't think the choice is that false. It's not the yeah. choice that the game wants you to make, but it is unending for shade. It's not like pretending that punching Fancy Jack is a valid choice. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it gives us credits even. So whatever. So our perspective shifts to Shade's pixel model and Oyubun still in the chair. Oyubun tells him he's been waiting for him and tosses him a white sword with a dialogue line I don't love. Shade apologizes for what he did to him, and Oyubun tells him that Shade didn't do anything to him. He made his own choices, absolute fucking king. Shade cannot accept this. He tries to get Oyubun to blame him, crying that it's his fault. He's the one who killed that man, and he's the one who killed him. And Oyubun calmly responds, telling Shade that he's just a fucking fool. A fool who made a grave mistake, but still a fool. And then Oyubun asks Shade if he's going to cry all the way to his death. Get his fucking ass. Did he really choose to go back to live a life filled with incurable regret? And Oyubun tells him flat out that Shade didn't kill him. He did it. He chose it. And Shade shouldn't dare to take that away from him. He would die <sighs> a thousand times before Shade. And then Shade asks why. And Oyubun says, because you are my son and I love you. And this came out Fuck. before the th- before Evangelion Thrice Upon a Time, but this hits as hard as when Gendo hugs Shinji. Oh my god, yeah. Like, tears filling my eyes at this point. I didn't like Amazing full-on ugly shit. cry, but like, yeah, that line hits so hard. You're right. It God, the end of this game. God. Ugh. Imagine missing this. I know, I know. So Oyabun tells Shade he's a good man. He made a mistake and will pay for it in time, but it shouldn't stop him from doing his best. He must learn, improve, and change. In the end, only Shade will be his judge. Shade is overwhelmed, and Oyabun says, You're my son, kiddo. Don't you forget about it. I ain't no father of a piece of shit. Yes! This is how I talk to my child, for the record. (laughs) (laughs) Shade doesn't understand, and Oyabun tells him it's time to let him go and stop dragging his memory around so he can feel bad about himself. Shade says he's not ready to do that, and Oyabun tells him he's not getting back until he does, uh, and he can kick Shade's ass for eternity, so it's time for Shade to stop being a coward and face him. Oh, oh, and then we get the fucking, the fight title card. Seki Shusai, a name we have not said instead of Oyubun, because I am white and had to try really hard to say that right, but it just says, and then Shade, and then because they're not going to be in mechs, it gives us their alternate titles, which is Tiger and Wolf, which rocks. Ugh, it's so good. And then it's just the fucking, the the kanji for it also? Can't tell if this is katakana or not. I don't know what the difference is. 
Hey, y'all. Chris was right the first time. It is indeed the kanji. But uh, it rocks in place it, of like the it, mech fights. Yeah, it's so good. And OK, so um, for the listener, this was probably cut out of the episode. But uh, Chris and Sybil spoiled me with a screenshot of this fight back when all the Olyabun stuff was coming back. And at I two weeks ago was very annoyed because I thought that it was going to reveal that Oyabun was like not dead actually. And that he well, had been masterminding because you talk to Oyabun a lot, right? Yeah. 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 And so I was waiting for this, like, ah, ha, ha, ha. I've been manipulating you into being miserable for revenge this whole time. And I was like, God, this fucking sucks. But the fact that it is like, in purgatory and that it's he has to defeat his own guilt about oh. uh his mistake actually is amazing like yeah that, that's the way to do it it's so good and then on top of that the fact that like the battle system is the same but instead it is a like samurai battle in a in like a snowy nowhere it's so dramatic and stylish and good this is the best that wolf stride ever looks you should look up a video of this fight if you're not gonna play this game unbelievable and like oyabon has two swords and if you cut off one of his arms he continues to attack you with the other one like yes the fact that it, it continues to work is so good. It does suck when your arm gets chopped off, though, and it says unit destroyed. What a savage <laughs> way to think about being delimbed. <laughs> For real. This makes me glad I don't have legs, because I would be very sad if my leg unit got destroyed. <laughs> this is the real Mexer about bodies content I was looking for. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during and there's basically dialogue every round during the fight at the beginning. Oyabon tells Sade to stop crying. I love the phrasing, suck up your tears, baby. Basically, <laughs> he doesn't call yeah. him a baby, but he's like, Are you Yakuza or not? And Shade's like, Well, I was exiled. And Oyabon goes, That's fucking bullshit. Once you're stained in black, there's no going back. You better suit up. A storm is coming your way. And then Shade goes, I don't know if I can make it. And Oyabon just yells at him, I don't want to fucking hear that. Yeah, you already made your choice, my guy. You yeah. have to face the music. After another round, Oyabun tells Shade he sold his soul to the devil. But not, he doesn't know about the later literal one. Um, uh-huh. He just goes, they all did. Well, you should embrace it and let your ambitions bloom. And Shade responds that I'm not that anymore. And then Oyabun's like, who the hell are you then? Mm. Mm. After another round, Oyabun tells Shade he has nothing else to fight for. He's a lost cause, a waste of time. He's going back for nothing and it shows. He's lost and is nothing but a joke. And Shade fucking gets real and just yells, shut the fuck up, back at him. Yes. And uh, when we defeat him, Oyabun asks Shade to tell him, who are you? And what are you going back to do that's so important to put you in a rush right now? Also, <laughs> my guy, you are like five hit points away from chopping off my head. I was naturally in a rush. <laughs> Shade tells Oyabun that he's right. He doesn't have any big plans. We then cut back to the memory of the gas station scene with gunshots. This time there's another person holding flowers standing between Shade's gun and the shopkeeper. 
Shade says he's just a scumbag who killed a man in a moment of stupidity. The camera pans up, the shot man, as Shade says, he killed a father. He killed a husband. He killed a man who deserved to live his life a thousand times more than he does. This is, like, so fucking good. This is, like, filmmaking shit, where now you're like, oh, yeah, we cut to Shade's perspective for the gunshot and then faded out and had no idea what happened after, actually, and just assumed he killed the storekeeper. And this also explains uh, retroactively all of why Shade is so touchy about being called Neb's dad, because he's carrying this horrific guilt, justified, by the way, around that, like, oh, no, I'm not her dad because I killed her dad. Like, I— Also, this is a (sighs) way bigger deal to the Yakuza because Neb's dad is also a foreigner. You'll notice Mm -hmm. he's, like, the same color as Shade. He's a foreigner in Japan, so the Yakuza cannot have people in there doing gun violence so against the law in that country. But to someone who's not even from there, like an international incident? Yeah. 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 100%. God, it's This pulls so many things that are individually all really dissatisfying together in one second. It's so good. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I, I email them and try to get this art, by the way. I want this as my fucking uh, wallpaper. God, it's incredible. The still in all of this of uh of Shade finally like stabbing Oyabun and and Shade just looks absolutely unhinged and murderous is also great. So Oh, that's down here later, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Or the yeah, one yeah, where he is. looks God. like the one people use for memes of, like, me when I do this small thing and then the big thing. There's uh-huh. the, the, oh, so sh- go good. Mm-hmm. Imagery out of control in this, uh, uh, in here. For real. Shade, however, will not feel sorry for his shitty ass anymore. He'll make up for it. A picture of Nebraska smiling fades in, and Shade says he will do everything he can so he can see her smile again. He can do so much for that man's daughter. He's supporting her dreams in any way he can. He'll be there for her whenever she needs him, even if her mother hates him, even if she despises him. He says, I won't let the world take anything else from her. And then there's an image of a protective wolf shadowing Neb behind her, and the wolf has fucking shade sunglasses and a cigarette uh, popping out of his mouth. It's so good! I'm going to go back in here and get a real screenshot because once you paste it to Google Docs, you can't copy the source image out anymore. But this is going to mm. be the fucking episode art for sure. It's so incredible. God. Oyabun says it's not up to him, which is correct. And Shane uh-huh. says he doesn't care if it's not. He just wants to see Neb smile again. Also the correct perspective to have about being being a parent, actually. Yeah. Oyabuns says he killed a man and fell for his wife. He raised his child and ran away in fear that they would find out. He asked Shade how he plans to make up for that. Shade's answer is, whatever it takes. And then we cut to this picture of Oyabun impaled through with, like, three different swords. And he just says, look what you did to me. And, like, he, it looks like we're zoomed in. And then, like, it continues to pan down. And then we see Shade tiny in front of his feet. So in his mind, Oyubun looms like a fucking giant. 
it looks like that meme that people make about Dark Souls bosses. And then mm-hmm. he just, Oyuba just yells, the world is better off without you. God. God. Incredible Insane. shit. Incredible so, shit. Oh, this is like, if the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake was about real personal stakes instead of Square Enix deciding it's okay for us to remake Final Fantasy VII. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's like the level of that's the level we're operating on here at this yep. point. Yep, absolutely. Shade says, I'm done with being my own warden. I'm letting myself out of my prison. Whatever God, the universe, and the world decide is right for me, I'll take it. But I won't. And then he trails off. I know you but interrupts, shouting, what? What, you fucking worm? And Shade <laughs> shouts back that he won't judge himself anymore. He'll pay the right price. But until then, he'll do his best just to keep her smiling from the bottom of her heart. Oyabun says, that's not his place. He's a worthless piece of trash and should be dead. And then we get one of the single most badass pieces of art in this game after just a steady parade of incredible images. And Shade is like bathed in flames and he's bleeding from his mouth and his sunglasses are now like extending beyond his skull by by like a foot and a half on each side and they're glowing white and uh he says i'm done with you old man this could be a my hero academia but with shade in it basically yep 100 percent. this is like when endeavor fights the thingy you know what i mean Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm Shade continues, the real Oyabun would never say something like that. He took it to the end with his chin up, pride intact. Oyabun oh, was the biggest- This is so good right here, by the way. Yes! Just the ability to differentiate your, the, like, the shibboleth of this person you have created out of your guilt for putting them in a position where they chose to ruin their life for you versus realizing, oh, that's not who this person really is. That's who I need them to be. So I can continue to just sit where I am and not move forward. So fucking good. It's incredible. It's incredible. I love it. Oyabun was the biggest man he's ever known. When his time comes, he will be ready for it, just like Oyabun was. Shade says he's always been guilty. Born as an unwanted foreign child, he was guilty of being different, guilty of being unloved, guilty for not standing up for himself, not even once. He felt he deserved every punch. He's guilty of throwing himself in the dump before anyone else did it. Not worth it. Not good enough. The biggest thing he's truly guilty of is that he never made an effort to love himself. He taught himself that and made himself unworthy of love. This is the part of the ending that Chris Taylor relates to very deeply. Oh my god, yeah. Just, and, and like, just the story of people who have this horrible self-hatred within them because they did not teach them to love themselves because of because of you know their circumstances growing up like it it uh she did deal with this i'm dealing with this literally right now on account of growing up deeply religious you never learn to love yourself because don't worry about it god will love you no matter what right God, it's so heavy, dude. Like, it's so heavy. The realest shit you can imagine is at the end of this game with the robot named Lord Peepoo. Yeah. And that's Wolfstride's underscore trick. Uh Uh-huh. But now, 
Shade's tired of it. He's tired of avoiding himself. He can't promise to love who he is right now, but he will at least respect what he's become. That's right. A middle manager for the most successful mech pilot of all time. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's not a piece of shit, but he's also not any kind of superhero. He's just himself. And given the circumstances, he doesn't think anyone would do a better job at being him. And he's proud of it. The camera shows us a family photo of the man he killed, like baby Neb and Sherry. Just, big oh, oof. Big uh, oof. And Shade says he never meant to kill him. He just wanted to get rid of his weakness. When he pulled that trigger, he killed his chance at forgiveness. Shade wasn't aiming at him, but at the world. Oh, good shit. He wanted mm. to retribute. He wanted to retribute, which I had to look up, by the way. Don't use this word if the dictionary says it's archaic. Nobody knows <laughs> retribute is a word you can use instead of retribution. Uh, he wanted to retribute all of the violence he'd suffered. Now Shade knows he was the one who hurt himself the most. Fuck. He's, Fuck. he's not looking for redemption anymore. He'll just accept the way things are. He took a life, so his life was taken. He apologizes <laughs> to Neb for killing her father, but not really. He can't go back and change it. But for what it's worth, this is his turning point. Shade can't say this is an easy feeling, but he's holding on to what he has. The, the your little not really aside, very important because yeah, yeah, he is apologizing to Shade in his like coma purgatory mind palace right now, and not apologizing to Shade in real life, and that is deeply important. Yeah, the camera fades up, and Shade is in the hospital bed, surrounded by everyone in the story besides Oyabun. Even the weird dark bear is there. Don't worry about it. I got a note five seconds from now. (laughs) He says, all these motherfuckers around me. I love each and every one of them. I die before I let anything happen to any of them. Unbelievably strong words for animal, Sayuki, and the mangoose. Yeah, I would also die for the mangoose, but not animal or Sayuki. But otherwise, I or agree. Cap. I would die or Cap. I would die for most of these people, not all. I of would them. not die for Cap. Cap can die for me. He's a business owner up against the wall. <laughs> part of part of Rain City's Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> Instant villain. I cut him out of the ending epilogue because they had to make up a thing that happens off screen to try to make you care about him. Yeah. <laughs> like, he I'm finishes. going there to play fucking checkers with this guy? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Shade then finishes his, uh, as he's waking up, he finishes his death dream monologue. He says, so I guess there's that. There ain't much I think about doing for myself right now. But once I heard that sometimes the best way to help yourself is to help someone else. Guess I want to do just that in my own crooked terms. I'm glad I had you all here, my friends. And this is where if they had the right amount of cojones or. I don't know, I think there had to have been playtest feedback that people wanted more closure. But to me, this is where the game is over. Roll the credits. Yep. Me too. I, I I think that the ending epilogue narration is very pat and it doesn't undo any of this incredible shit, but it does it 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 leaves on kind of like just a bit of a whiff to me. So here's the other thing. This is where we were talking about earlier. If you had played this in three to four days, 
would you want a wrap up for these characters you had like this really brief like romance with instead of you but we've been sitting with them for a long time and don't need this right we've already made Mm -hmm. our peace with them going goodbye but yeah would you feel differently if we had played this in three days would you want this epilogue so you could say goodbye to all your friends like you do at the end of persona 4 yeah it that i it's that's a good question i'm i'm not sure but yeah then then we get then we get this kind of like little epilogue narration. Yeah, we fade into the hangar. Shade says that Cowboy was taken by the International Peace Police. Some bureaucratic stuff to do with the Chinese government. Uh, Yeah, the second they made a winning one, they want it back. Interesting. Uh, Uh And and I don't know why, because you didn't make that. That's a whole new robot. The thing you made was dog shit. Yep. The gang split the money from the final Fortnite and all went their separate ways. Uh, Shade can't help but feel it was GW's plan for Cowboy to bring them together again. And then he reminds us by saying a last reunion for the dead motherfucker society. And then everyone goes. (laughs) So we get a screenshot of uh, Duke and his elderly mom who's wearing a little babushka shawl. It is amazing. I did not know you could draw a dog and make it look like it had a hard life until I looked at this picture of Duke's mother, which I know is a mean thing to say about someone's mother. But but she also has had a hard life and they are triumphantly holding up a whole bunch of bottles, which could be either liquor or milk, because we know that they he loves milk and also drinking. Um, They're liquor. Look at those. You need a bottle opener to open those. Those aren't screwed for sure. Well, some of the ones in Duke look like they could be Pellegrinos because they look like screw top metal lids. Yeah. And uh, so this is a this is this looks like it, it it's a postcard that's been sent to Shade because uh, over in the top left corner, it says, damn you, cat man. And then a little like a hand drawn turd emoji with with a little lines on and it. a fly. Yeah. Yeah. And it says, with and the all smiley the smiley face is so good. I love that the smiley face is lopsided. It is the most charming yeah. poop you've ever looked at. It's great. It's great. It, it, it says, with all the IPP ruckus and that Komarov stunt, the mech committee still got our backs and paid us. So Duke was able to, uh, Duke was able to pay off his debt and quote release the dragon. She'd never really been kidnapped, but it sounds like. Uh, and this is what's funny about the. Uh, about the epilogue is that it makes clear that Shade did not like personally atone for every single one of his sins. He's like, ah, some of this stuff I can just let slide. And so look, he's he's practicing unconditional (laughs) self-forgiveness. Yeah. The pair then finally got to enjoy some beach time in Cancun. Shade just hopes that Duke is keeping away from the gambling dens. Bro, shut the fuck up. Motherfucker <laughs> discovers the concept of self-care and then is like, but yeah, look at this piece of shit over here. Uh-huh. What the fuck? <gasps> Next, we get the most adorable photo I have ever seen of Knife yes. with his two nieces having like his hair done up and like the Betty Boop lipstick. It's the best. It's so good. And also the fact that his nieces look like mini knife is also great. Oh, man, they're going to be so ripped. Oh, my God. Uh, Knife got back to his sister and nieces. He announced his retirement from piloting, saying he wanted to write a book and live in calm water. So it'll be very hard for him, having never finished a book. His sister's orphanage is a hit. 
taking kids from anywhere across the USSA. None of those North American devils. The orphanage <laughs> is part of the Mad Margos program now. May the pineapple god be watching over you, my friend. And this is where we got to pump the fucking brakes for a hot lore alert. The pineapple yep. god is real. <laughs> it says Shade is the only person who knows about it. That means Shade is the chosen prophet of the pineapple god. Looking forward to Wolf Stride 2, where you go around and just do pilgrim shit. What's especially funny about this to me is that, like, you know, whenever you give someone a pineapple, they're always like, it's really weird that you keep giving me pineapples, but they do make me feel much better for some reason. Yeah. And it's, be it's because they're blessed. Wolfstride 2 should be Actraiser. Hell yes. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. Actraiser with mech battles? Uh, I'd be into it. That's right. You have to do mech battles when people reject your juicy offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, we then get a... Oh my god, uh, I realize we're just proposing the mecha crusades for the pineapple god. <laughs> 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 just invading North America with a, a mechs carrying pineapples. They deserve it. That's right. Uh, we then cut to a shot of Nebraska one and less, her mom. One last diversion. What it is, the, the, the final mental image of this is a pineapple with the, the dole sticker on it that just says return to sender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we then... <laughs> sorry, that took a second. Yeah. Um, uh, we then get a screenshot of Nebraska and her mom. Nebraska is uh, is looks like she's a couple years older by this point. She's grown her hair out long. She's tamed her sideburns. She looks kind of like awkward and sheepish. Her mom, uh, still not smiling because, you know, Cherry had a very hard life. Another great little thing about this is that um, you see her cat's little, like, extremely long, extremely kinked tail in the background, which proves that it wasn't smell lines. It actually was the cat's tail the whole time. But it also makes Nebraska look like she has a devil tail, which is also great for who Nebraska is. Yeah. And the narration says, Neb finally went back to her mother. By the way, I promised to keep in touch to keep in touch with her. I'll seriously do my best. Who am I kidding? I'll probably disappear for at least another seven years or so. Oh my God, go back to Nebraska. You dummy, it will make you happy. Goddamn. He goes, I'll be no, on the he's lookout. He's got to do an eat, pray, love. Sure, yeah. He says, I'll be on the lookout just to know if she's doing okay though. I hope to see her again someday. She's the whole reason why I got back at all. Thanks, kid. Nothing personnel. Uh, Woof. The next, the next card is just fucking peepoo with face bandages, sunglasses, a Hawaiian shirt, and his monitor on his chest just says "beach" in all caps. It rocks! It rocks Fuck so hard. Yeah. As soon as the final Fortnite was over, that piece of junk simply vanished. I hope he's traveling around the world like he said he would. Maybe looking for his own purpose. Most certainly. He's annoying the hell out of someone out there right now. <laughs> uh, the next update that we get is for Jack and Bounty Hog. Bounty Hog is wearing a fedora and smoking a cigar and uh, looking extremely, like, schemy and kingpinny. And, yeah, uh, he's got, Jack... like, a pinstripe suit and an insane beard. 
Yeah. And Jack is now fucking ripped and he is pumping iron in the shot. And uh, Shade says, the last time the last I heard from the dynamic duo, they were set on a business trip to Hawaii. Having never seen any of these movies, this is what I assume John Wick is like. This picture. This is accurate. That's accurate. A hundred percent. Hell yeah. Hog and, <laughs> Hog and Jack are in Hawaii doing a business deal. Jack is undergoing severe physical therapy to get his legs up and running again. They might not ever return to Rain City. Hog's yard was sold and will be turned into a fancy condo. Uh, and he wouldn't be surprised if uh, he turns into a mech champion someday. Yeah. Hey, look. That's all Hog ever wanted out of this was to make some money on the side until he can sell it to a developer. Yeah, he was absolutely trying to get acquired. He hated that life. Our next photo is Kaya in like a martial arts gi and Sayuki just holding a die, which means nothing because Sayuki literally has no dialogue all game. Mm -hmm. Kaya and Sayuki, by the way, at the very end, at the last second, they say Kala. And I'm like, sorry, too late. Got to get out of here, chief. <laughs> Kaya and Sayuki disappeared suddenly. No notes, signs, or whatever. Hope they didn't get tangled with the maf with the mafia. And all I gotta say is, what the fuck? If the yeah. only personality trait you give these characters is that they're on the run and fear for their life from the local mafia, you can't say that. This is very pension to me. Uh, you know, just we we don't get that much of their lives. We just get like the middle of it and don't get any more context. It, in pension, it's intentional and good. And this feels like, you know, uh, the victim of a whole bunch of cut content. So, yeah, this is very this, what the fuck. Yeah. Sayuki and Kaya are absolute cut content. Like, look at this fucking picture. There were plans mm -hmm. for this. They're not in 100%. the script even. Yeah. We then get uh, a picture of uh, Z and her niece, May. Z uh, looks like a corporate CEO immediately with her giant white hair. And it, and uh, May is uh, in a she police like a uniform. It, yeah, it does look like a light bulb. And uh, May is saluting in a cop uniform. And the narration says, things turned out well for Z. She's making her own mech brand and growing her biz around the world, often appearing on the covers of magazines about mechs and millionaires. She moved shop to the USNA. As for May, I heard she really did join the police force. Boo! Uh, this is, it's, it's, it, I, I enjoyed this because, um, it, there are signs in the dialogue that the demon is kind of coming back. It, it wasn't fully banished and it, it just like went dormant, uh, or like, you know, some of it was banished. And so the fact that like she becomes a cop, sense. if I was a psychotic ancient evil, I would be a police officer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's why this works for me. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean I have to like it. Nope. The next photo is a poster that says wanted fucking dead lullaby. And it's got a picture of joy from the back. Fucking Afro blowing in the wind in a sick leather, like a sick jean jacket. Oh, and it says joy is the only one who has been missing since the incident. Maybe she's back in action as a bounty hunter. I doubt she could keep being a bartender for so long. So she was just lying to our faces. Yeah. And like, so this is this is the thing, a thing we got to talk about. This, what happens with Joy and the lullaby stuff is so fucking different in the script. Like mm. Joy is running about the the writer winds up being a bounty bounty hunter. The, it's like the deep dish steakhouse. Yep. That's what she's doing. <laughs> 
She's yeah. doing, but in the script, not here. In the game, they so by changing the context, originally Shade is like Joy is almost like a romantic interest for Shade, not like in a real way, but they have that kind of like very flirty, semi-romantic relationship. And then Shade makes a deal to come back and help her run the place, and she's still there. And they cut out a ton of that shit. And instead, they get to keep everything the same by making her lullaby. And then those bounty hunters show up not because she's running, scaling a successful like hideout for bounty hunters, but because she's the biggest target in the fucking universe. Yeah. Okay. That is super interesting. And that's like really a really good way to turn it around. And that explains why it's so dissatisfying. But this poster at the end makes it mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's... now the implication is all those people disappeared because Joy fucking iced all those motherfuckers in the writer. Yeah, this is this is an example of them radically changing the script, but still having enough in there to justify the change they made so it does not feel as like missing or out of the blue. It is yeah. it, it it ends up being funny that Joy was lying to our faces the whole time, despite being like otherwise very chill and cool with us. But, you know, I get why she had to cover her ass if she was like this unbelievable bounty hunter who was doing a bunch of team kills the whole time. Yeah. I mean, like, at some point, a bounty hunter gets a bounty on themselves, and that makes the person who does that job very unpopular with the gang. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then we get a uh, a shot of um, Shade looking over Exposition Cliff. Uh, the trail of his cigarette smoke just gets more and more dramatic, and now it, like, is billowing back behind him and taking up, like, a pretty large portion of the screen. And he says, as for Rain City itself is gentrifying rapidly. Residents are dying or moving away while old buildings are getting demolished to give way to subway stations. Bleak. As for me, who knows? I go where the road takes me. With everything that's going on in the world, I feel like things are just never going to be the same. We're on the edge of a third world war. In truth, it's already happening. It's not too far off until the USSA gets dragged in. The Soviets are investing hard in space programs. Kicking off a space race with colonization in mind. Ooh, don't colonize space. Yeah, also, this is very much a uh, Universal Century Gundam uh, reference immediately, right at the very end. Nothing's going to stay the same. I'm taking my time, getting ready for whatever's coming. I wish I could say more to you. I ain't very good with goodbyes. But, well, see you around, trash. Uh, the credits roll and there's like a ton of really good photos of like when shade and sherry and neb were like living together i uh, love this one with the birthday cake neb's sixth birthday mm-hmm. or third uh, birthday. Sh- uh, they they actually make shade successfully look younger in this as well yeah which is it's great um uh, yeah <laughs> and his shirt says truant my favorite, I think the fa- my favorite one is when they're walking through the market and he's doing like the weird leg pose and Neb is imitating him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's my favorite one. I'm like, 
I'm so mad at, I mean, like it works, it works for me, but I'm so mad at Shade for like promising to come back and live better. And we don't know how successful he is. It just, uh, yeah. uh, which is, which is, which is good. But I'm just like, God, this is really bitter as sweet that he comes back to live for all these people. And then also doesn't see most of them ever again, basically like this, nothing is going to be the same. So like he came back for all of these motherfuckers and then the world changes so drastically that he can't actually do that it like you know this is why my pitch was so specific uh, that it's a game about wanting to be better not be doing better yes absolutely absolutely and like god the fact that rain city gentrified and and doesn't really exist after this is bleak and sad and real it's it's also let's be real this is like to to, to get really hyper-local this is the gentrification of Belltown, but not because everyone gets sad about it, right? And that's what we're feeling about Rain City, because everyone loves Third. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the reality of Rain City is first and second, where it's just people who are so immiserated and there's nowhere for them to go to get like groceries besides the gas station. So, like, does it suck? That this unique culture is being eradicated. Yeah. Is it net better? Maybe. Actually, probably. But that's what I think is so interesting about that. Like, nothing here is, like, really clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's good. It's good. I like that it's messy. Yeah. It just, it's, the the tone of the narration at the end does feel a little pat. And yeah, so there is there is a little bit of like disappointment there. But yeah, I agree with you that that leaving things messy and open ended still is true to the themes of the game. And then just staying on brand at the end, you get a little player credits message and you thank you and the special thanks and you player trash. Thank you for so much for playing this piece of tea. (laughs) How did you Um, feel about the so how do we feel about the ending obviously i think it's spectacular i think it's incredible uh it like it's so rare that a game that i or that a story that i like but have some serious frustrations with is able to stick the landing as hard as it does like the things that frustrate you are the key Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Like that's the thing is that like it it brings back and it's like oh yeah. If you were frustrated by this, it's because you were paying attention. We know that too, and that there's just so much goodwill there for me. Like the other game that really sticks the big landing here that we've done is Xenosaga Three, which I still love, but I think that this game like nails the ending even harder than Xenosaga Three did. I think I think this is overall better, but when we come back to Kevin and Shion, that cutscene right before that boss fight, I think that might be <sighs> all time best game writing to me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. I it's it it it's not like it it's not like this is better in a walk, you know? It's it they're yeah. they're close to me. But yeah, and I just what I, I the think whole time is so go good. ahead, yeah. Even like that Coltrane stuff, like where they try to do to overlap the yakuza and the like the racial injustice angle that stuff works in retrospect because it's not that that's the source of what shade's problem is it's that mm-hmm. shade 
already hates himself and having external validation of that is what is the breaking point all of a sudden. Yes. Yes. Rather that is than what him saying, look what you made me do. He's like, wow, I was right. And everyone else can see it too. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Really good shit. Yep. And like the narrative, I'm like, let's be real. Now that we're moving into generalities, I think that Wolfstride has some like real problems. I don't think they're serious problems. So like if you're no. listening to this podcast, they sound like serious problems because we play this game for three months instead of a week. So to right. us, they're serious problems. But in reality, the game for like, I don't know, two hours out of the 18 hours you're going to spend on it. You wish you'd gotten a new sword or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like. I think this game is an unqualified success, actually. But the problem is you have to get to the end. People don't beat all the games they play. And if you don't beat this game, I think this game sucks bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's it's this this game is very reliant on its ending to tie a lot to tie almost everything together. I do like a lot of the moment to moment play if it wasn't. Like you said, if it wasn't so spread out, I think it would be easier to ignore some of the issues. The thing, we t- we have talked about how much of an indie game this is a bunch of times this season, but watching the credits really hit it home for me how tiny this team is. And yeah, it's like how- 30 seconds long. And that's yeah. with it being stretched by having all of these full screen photos that scroll across. Yeah. And so a lot of the issues are issues of ambition and scope. And like, I think they were right to be as ambitious as they were actually. And it like they landed enough stuff over the course of the game that I was like, yeah, you know what? This game is fucking great. This game is great. Think about it like this. They did better than Bungie did with halo 2 in terms of like our ambitions are so high and our game is this flaming wreck and we're trying to not miss the runway and let's start throwing shit out of the back and Mm -hmm. a like billion dollar studio crashes into the ground and explodes and makes halo Mm -hmm. 2 and then five people pull it off and here's fucking wolf stride yeah it's it is it is a remarkable achievement i think it i am i am so happy that you brought this game to to the podcast otherwise it you know i don't know when i would have had time to play it i'm very excited that less than a month ago oda iman just basically has started a breaking complete silence and revealed we're still a studio this was successful enough for us and we want to make another one of these Because I think every problem they had is supremely solvable because now they've made one of these and they know how to right-size it for what they can do. They have probably more money at this point because if it was successful and this went through a publisher, you you get to swing a little bigger. Yep. The only thing I wish is that this epilogue didn't happen because it kind of narrows the possibility of what Wolfstride 2 can be. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, this, this, it has the potential to be just an improvement in every way on the first Wolf Stride, and that is very exciting because I have a lot of fondness for this game now. 
Wolfstride is like a nine to me after this ending is like a nine out of ten. And I think it feel like it is a ten out of ten because of how deeply relatable it is. I know is like some of our discussions have been very negative, and that's because it's not a great game to make a podcast about. But like this is a podcast as a fucking service for sure. Go play the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I, I it this is I I give the if if you were at all interested in any of this stuff, play it. It it took me a long time, but it's because I was going over it with a fine tooth comb. This this can be knocked out in under twenty hours for sure if you're just mainlining it, and it's great. It's got problems, but it's a really special thing. Yeah, the game of the year last year, a game no one had heard of but me. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Um. Also, uh, it's quasi related recommendation. If you like the end of Wolfstride, you should check out Mind Game, the first feature length anime by uh, Masaki Yuasa. Very good, along some similar thematic lines. I think. What are we doing next time? So, next season, we will be covering Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter uh, for the PlayStation 2, a Capcom JRPG that was a marked departure from the first four Breath of Fire games. A game where the way it is requires me to call an electrician to my house and rewire a light switch. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can do a Dark Souls save and quit at any time, by the way. Um, oh, you... can I? Are yeah, they not yeah. Limited? If you no, so you it. Oh, it's like it a Final creates, Fantasy mobile quick save that is deleted when you yes, it. yes. And then there yes, are hard yes. saves that are limited, like increments. Got it. So now yes. I'm not concerned, and I'm gonna save two hundred dollars on an electrician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you 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 can uh, you can do the temporary save thing, and that save uh, stays on your memory card until you load it again, so you can turn the PlayStation Two off. Right. Anyway, tell us more about Dragon Breath of Fire if you want to. Um, it is a very mechanically interesting game that people who were very lukewarm on the kind of generic JRPG uh, flavors of the first four Breath of Fire games, a lot of them really like it. And a lot of longtime Breath of Fire lovers absolutely hated it. And it is super interesting because it um, brings like position-based tactical combat and um some roguelike nodding mechanics into jrpgs back when those things were not nearly as in vogue as they are now uh and it has some uh growing pains and problems of like being you know an early part of that space that isn't you know the the spike chunsoft mystery dungeon series um but it does some really cool things with the play and um, while the plot is not as deep or as dense as the last three games that we've done for this show, it does some interesting stuff in the space. I'm very excited for it. I like the semi-recent move, because basically what we've done behind the scenes is, rather than having a consensus pick every time, we've been basically, each person gets to pick three and we vote on them. So we get some, like, we're getting some real weirdo shit. But I what I like is how it has worked out is that there's like Wolfstride's all narrative and no mechanics, it turns out, even though it pretends mm -hmm. to be the other way other way. And like Breath of Fire, I like that that's gonna be basically the opposite. Yeah. 
yeah, it'll be it'll be really fun, I think. Um, hopefully people like it. I know that uh, Sybil likes it at least, and I uh, am really enjoying my second playthrough. I played it, I first played it when I was in like college and did not remember a lot of it and did not have the same kind of perspective that I do now. And so it's been fun to to play it again. I'm very excited. I also to play all of Wizardry 1 through 3 during this season. So <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Like, look. I'm the mechanic sicko. I do not want to read a fucking guide. I want to do it myself. I want to break the mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have to play three entire video games. Mm-hmm. I'm very uh, excited. This is... Peace out, this is the last. Yeah, bye. We don't... Well, yeah. Uh, you know, you, y'all know the plugs. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Give us some money. Get some great extra content. It's 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 good eating in, in you know Pitch Drop Premium World right now. I'm going to plug nice slippers. Get you some. You deserve it. Uh, thank you, Chris, quote unquote, Remo Taylor. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah, no, it's good. Wait, it's a good recommendation. Later trash. Recording over. Bye. Bye. <laughs>